0: This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 19 for December 22nd, 2005. VPN's The Final Chapter. Final Frontier. <laughs> the Final Frontier. Steve Gibson, uh, happy holidays to you. Thanks for uh, joining us for uh, even though we're so close to uh, Christmas uh, for uh, this is the security now episode. You helped us out on Twitter too on Sunday. That was nice.
1: Yeah, we're doing it a little bit early this week yes. to, to kind of give people some clearance from the holidays.
0: Give me we're, some we're, clearance. <laughs> we're,
1: we're not we're not going to miss a beat. We'll do one this week, And then, of course, episode 20 will be next week, which will be our Mod 4 uh, Q&A episode.
0: Right. Our usual, uh, we answer your questions. So get them in to grc.com slash securitynow.htm.
1: Oh, <laughs> that was After, not a good thing to do. Oh, God. After last week's Hamachi, you know, I used to be saying, oh, yeah, I'm keeping up. I'm I'm reading everything that's coming in. I am so buried under stuff.
0: Yeah, you. But, that's all right. We people have to uh, do. I'm sure understand that you can't respond to everything, and we'll we'll uh, we'll try to respond to as many as we can.
1: I can't even read everything at the moment. Yeah, it's just it's it's been phenomenal.
0: Well, let's uh, let's uh, before we get into the final chapter of uh, VPNs, and we're going to talk about Open VPN this week. Let's uh, uh, follow up on a few things from uh, previous weeks, some uh, corrections, updates, and uh, Hamachi updates.
1: Yeah, some some errata. Yeah. errata. Uh, first, first of all. Everybody is writing to me about this article from earlier in the year talking about cracking wi fi protected access cracking wpa and I mean I just it, it keep people keep posting this link to me. I meant to bring it up last week, but as you know, I forgot my my little errata notes at the beginning of the show, so we had to wing it, um, it WPA has not been cracked WPA is not. ...prone to cracking. All this... It, 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 it's it and it, it's... The the article is at informit.com and it was back from May, I think, or maybe it was March. Uh, No, yeah, it's March. So, you know, nine months ago, it's a two-part article that goes into excruciating detail about brute force attacks on WPA. Well, that's what we've talked about. We know that WPA is is susceptible to an offline brute force attack that you can you can capture a couple packets and then take those home with you and pound on that data trying either dictionary attacks or every possible key which is why the passwords page at grc.com was created to give people these really nasty long wpa keys that nobody is going to be able to to you know, end up in any reasonable amount of time, recreate. So I want it. I want everybody who's been concerned about what this, what this article means. And by the way, I mean, I don't blame anyone for being confusing. This thing was deliberately created. It seems to be extremely confusing and alarming. But WPA is not cracked. There's no simple way to to, to breach it. As long as you use a really good pass uh, passphrase. It,
0: it's kind of a, sh- a shame. I guess Inform IT decided, well, let's go for the big headline, get a lot of attention, a lot of traffic to our page. But everybody knows, I mean, many protocols, not all, but almost all protocols are subject to brute force attacks. That's, you know, bad password, no security. We know that.
1: Yeah, and, and what you hope is that it's not subject to anything else, which is clearly the, the concern that this article raised. Now also that we have already begun to see the emergence of WPA brute force cracking tools floating around in the in the hacker sites. So that's something else that I saw in the last couple weeks is there are we're beginning to see that emerge. So so as we told people before, WPA is safe as long as you use a really good password phrase
0: grc.com slash passwords and you can get a yep. good one
1: All now right. what, what one other little loose end was we've talked about the problem of distributing those super secure passphrases and talked about the the idea of using um just a standard little usb you know drive dongle one other thing occurred to me and that is that those little mini cdrs would work you could take maybe 10 passwords and just burn them on a CDR. There they're going to be involatile, it's easy for you to move them around from machine to machine. Every machine that you run across is going to have a a, a CD-ROM drive now and that way it's extremely simple to move this really long password that you wouldn't want to have to type in manually.
0: Of course, the CDR is, uh, you're not going to change it very often, but I guess that's kind of the idea
1: anyway. And that's the whole idea, is you don't want to change this super uh, super bizarre password. And in fact, that's why I was suggesting you might put 10 of them on there. You might start off just using the first one. If for any reason you, for example, had to disclose it to a fr- uh, to a, a friend who came over, uh-huh. you know, for example, move them onto your WPA network by giving them that password, mm-hmm. then if you wanted to, you might feel more comfortable switching to your number two password that's already recorded on the CDR throughout your network so that you've essentially obsoleted that first one. You, you, you've you removed it from being, ha- being able to have any access to your network.
0: We were talking about that at the meetup, something kind of related, which is uh, this reverse, uh, this cracking of the uh, MD5 uh, hashes Somebody uh, put a, out a CD or a disk, I guess it was a hard drive, with all of the reverse hashes, right? So you could do well, a reverse lookup?
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's called a pre-computation attack, and we're seeing that both for MD5 and, and SHA-1. The idea is that those are, those are very secure hashes. They have been weakened a little bit through recent cryptanalysis, but they're still you know, they're widespread um, in extreme use. Everywhere, what's happened is hard drives have gotten so big and so cheap, and of course the internet has happened. What's what's going on is that people are pre-computing the hashes. They're they're going. They're doing basically a brute force in reverse. Uh, um, well, they're they're doing a brute force use of the hash forward and they're storing the value and its corresponding hash on a hard drive then what you do is you go to a website that's got this massive database of pre-computed hashes you give it the hash it gives you the password so it's not it hasn't cracked the hash it's just done them all
0: (laughs) that's pretty amazing (laughs) well it's once again that's why a good long random passphrase or password is is the best solution because they're not going to brute force something like that.
1: Exactly. It's going to be way down after the end of the life of the universe (laughs)
0: before before they
1: they get 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 to it. Now, also in a prior episode, I mentioned the idea of Creating a secure connection to Webmail—that is, we were talking about, you know, SSL and the at the very beginning of our VPN uh, conversation. How, if you're using an SSL connection to a remote server, your connect your communications cannot be eavesdropped on.
0: That's how Yahoo and, Mail works, and a number of other clients. And you can even use a POP client that way if your ISP supports it.
1: Exactly, and but in, in the case of Webmail, some people were having problems doing this with Google because it turns out that Google has a funky way of bouncing you from your logon page, which is secure. To a non-secure session once you've logged on. So I did a little poking around, and it turns out that if you use the proper URL, among many ways of getting into Google Mail, for example, if you use https colon slash slash mail.google.com or https slash slash gmail.google.com then for whatever reason you'll get a secure connection when you're when you're actually logging on and it will bounce you to a continuing secure interaction with the server subsequently but other ways of entering bounce you over to a non secure connection so if you, if you use https colon slash slash mail.google.com or gmail.google.com it will it will see that you want a secure connection and leave you that way. Good to know. All right. That's what you should bookmark and use that every time. And in the last little bit of stuff that I have been meaning to say for weeks but keep forgetting. <laughs> you got your, th- you got your notes now. <laughs> I do, baby. Um I'm home. Um I- We've never told everybody who's listening to Security Now! That GRC runs and has for years an extremely useful set of security-related news groups. Um, Our news server is news.grc.com, and if um, you—this is not a web-based forum; it's real, you know, Usenet-style. Newsreading, but most web browsers, you know, IE and Opera, and I presume Firefox, do have built in Usenet newsreaders. So,
0: actually, uh, Firefox does not, but there oh, are, uh, well, it kind of does. It's got a, a funky way of doing it, but you can add an extension like Sage or uh, Fizzle to uh, give it that capability. So.
1: Okay, well, I'm, I'm not a big fan of web based forums because I've become Um, addicted to like real Usenet-style news, where you've got uh, lots of news groups, you've got uh, well-threaded, very clearly-threaded dialogues, you can see which postings you've read and so forth. My favorite client is Free, and that's Gravity, the Gravity newsreader for Windows that that people can find on on the net, and there are other ones. Actually,
0: Uh, I want to correct myself. I was talking about RSS. People use Thunderbird for uh, newsgroup reading as opposed to Mozilla or Firefox. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: But anyway, you like Gravity.
0: That's a good I'll put a link in the show notes to that.
1: I like gravity. Um, also, uh, on our main navigation bar at grc.com, at the top of the homepage or the bottom of every page, the far right link there is called Discussions. We have a page at grc.com/discussions.htm that will give people some some gr- sort of some foundation in this. I have a step-by-step guide for setting up Internet Explorer. Um, or I guess it's Outlook? Is it, I, I, I oh yeah, I'm sorry, it's Outlook Express that, that, that has, is both email and yeah. and has the uh, newsreader. News reader. Yeah. So, I, so I take them through a step-by-step. We have a little bit of some fancy stuff going on for the way you log on that I explain because we have something that no other newsreader has, which is a an ability to allow people to securely cancel their own messages. I create a hash of their uh, of of their username and password that they use for logging on so that they're able to securely delete their own postings if they want to without anybody else being able to. Anyway, there's a bunch of technology I've actually been working on for years for our own news groups. So I wanted to tell people, among our listeners, I know from the feedback we get, we've got real security junkies here. And there is a really super community of people who hang out on news.grc.com. My news server there and um, in fact the discussions page does allow you to use a web reader a web interface to just sort of browse around the news groups if you weren't sure you wanted to go to all the trouble of of setting up a news reader and participating you're not able to post from there but you can browse around and look and see what the news groups are oh and i just created a security now news group (laughs) great that is there. It's been there for a few days. So, and it'll, it'll be entertaining specific dialogue relating to whatever we're talking about on security now.
0: So grc.com slash discussions dot You can read them online if you want to participate. We'll put a link to Gravity, Steve's favorite newsreader. But there are many, many choices, of course. And
1: if you've got Outlook Express with Windows, you've already got a newsreader built in.
0: That's cool. Uh, Okay, Hamachi. Let's finish
1: up from last week, because that was very popular. Yes. Now, the good news is a lot of people fell in love with this. Um, Alex um, uh, Pankratov, Hamachi's chief uh, lead developer, the guy that I was talking to for several weeks before talking about this last week, Sent me a link for from his uh, d- this delicious server that shows all the people that are linking, and it was there was a phenomenal reaction uh, to number of people who are interested in Hamachi, following, our talking about it last week. I've got one posting here that, that someone sent a, a few hours ago, who, who who posted to our site saying I do a lot of traveling and have always had issues with using the wireless connections at hotels. I was so so happy to have heard about Hamachi that I had it installed and running before I finished listening to your <laughs> podcast. You, That's are nice. ra- you are right. Hamachi rocks.
0: Very easy was- on Windows. A little more tricky. I did it on Mac. You have to download some additional software and do some co- configuration. But, wait, I, wait, wait, but wait, I started wait. using it right away, and I love are it. Are
1: you talking about Hamachi on the Mac?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Something you're else. Talking about- <laughs> you're talking about OpenVPN. Forget I mentioned that. I'll edit that out. <laughs> So okay. Hamachi is-, is very cool. there is no Hamachi for the Mac, but that's coming. Yeah.
1: So he said, "He said you're right, Hamachi rocks. I'm leaving for Europe for a three-week vacation, and now, using Hamachi and an open-source VNC, I have a way to securely connect to my home PC, transfer files, browse the web, and check email. Wow. So there's an example of the good news. Now, there were some disappointed people who, for example, are behind very restrictive corporate firewalls, or behind... Uh, like isp proxy servers um so it is it's important to say that good as hamachi is there certainly are hamachi hostile environments where you're not going to be able to use hamachi unfortunately those people who were really excited by last week's podcast about hamachi and downloaded the client hoping that they would be able to immediately connect to their home machines in some cases they were. In in some cases they found that for whatever reason their, for example, their corporate firewall. I, I saw some posts where their corporate firewall allows traffic out through port 80 and 443. And that's it. O- only. Jeez. You know, for example, <laughs> DNS goes to the corporate DNS server. Right. SMTP and POP for 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 transferring email or or in fact may, maybe IMAP goes to the again the corporate local right. mail server and they have no access to anything other than ports 80 and 443 for browsing the web. So in that scenario, they're going to need a different tool. The good news is we've got a different tool, which we will be talking about. But So there, there were Play, there were people for whom Hamachi was not, you know, the, the holy grail that we've been talking about. Hey, if I were a corporate IT
0: guy, I think blocking all ports but eighty and four four three sounds like a pretty darn good idea.
1: Oh Be I agree. And, I and, would do if, that. In, in fact some people took exception understandably to my saying last week, hey, you know, you could run this at home and on your desktop in your company They never knew ac- what you were doing. And, well and get access to your home right. and of course the, the reciprocal work From home, you could get access into your corporate network. People were annoyed that I, as a a security person or security conscious person, was suggesting the use of this for accessing corporate networks remotely. And, And so your point is well taken, Leo. You would hope that a corporation already has dealt with this because, you know, it's been possible for a long time using all kinds of techniques.
0: And we're not advocating doing an end around on your on your I.T. security because the next Zotob worm, if you're the if you're the vector that brings it into the corporation, they're not going to like you too much. That'd be bad. That'd be a bad thing. One other note I got from a a good friend and uh, Pearl Wizard, Randall Schwartz, he's the author of uh, Learning Pearl and really a great guy, had a couple of questions for you. First of all, he said, Hamachi is not open source. How can we trust it?
1: Ah, well, that's a very good point. I mean, it's it's one of the things that made me anxious and continues to make me anxious. I'm going to end up probably over on OpenVPN, which is how we're going to f- wrap up this episode of Security Now. But Hamachi is I- – I'm convinced that, that Alex is – has really designed this system exactly as he's told me he has. He's got years of experience with security implementing IPsec tunnels you know, classic VPN solutions I I couldn't feel any better about this than I do, short of doing a complete source audit and, you know, build, verify, and all that, which is just not practical. So yeah. it's it's certainly the case, though, that, well, I mean, you know, we're trusting Bill when we use Windows. Right. We're, but we're, that's why a lot of people you know, say use
0: open source security software and only open source security software, because you don't know what government backdoors are in there and so forth. Things like PGP, you know what's in there.
1: Well, that's certainly the case. And in fact, I think you made a comment, I don't remember if it was before the podcast or under your breath, that it was like, you know, Alex Pankarov, sounds Sounds like a Russian, uh, <laughs> who is this guy? Uh, KGV. Exactly. <laughs> who are we? Well, and in fact, it's why it's why I went around and around with right. him right. to make sure, for example, that the the asymmetric key pair generated by the client was never given at any point was given to the server or left the client so that it wasn't it wasn't necessary for us to trust the hamachi server and you know i'm i'm sure alex has told me the truth but i have no proof of it so listeners should certainly be aware of that
0: and uh, he points out and I, i'm sure we'll talk about it at some point that uh, the next version of open ssh 4.3 will support add support for tunneling uh, essentially you can set up an open vpn type uh, tunnel Using SSH, which, well, which will be nice.
1: It'll be nice, but again, it's we have to be careful with, with details because OpenVPN has done something cor- very correct that Hamachi has also done very correct, which other solutions have not, and that is because it's open, uh, I assume it's OpenSSH, so it's a TCP tunnel, right. and we've talked before about the problems of, of tunneling TCP through TCP, whereas Hamachi is UDP-based, and OpenVPN, in its default configuration, is is, is UDP based and that's a better a better transport protocol because you don't have the the, the problem of two um, reliability guaranteeing protocols like TCP interacting with each other in a bad way
0: And as you've pointed out that's one of the reasons people don't like VPNs they seem slow and sluggish is because it's TCP over TCP.
1: Well, the other problem is, yes, that that TCP optimizes its packet size so that it doesn't fragment as it crosses the Internet. The problem is if you encapsulate TCP in TCP, you're making a larger packet because you've got the, the already maximum size TCP packet enclosed in another packet that has inherently made it bigger. So you, you often have fragmentation problems which can be very severe, meaning that every packet hits the first router that is not able to forward that overly large packet. It cracks it in half and the internet never reassembles those. So suddenly you've got twice as many packets, twice as twice the opportunity for packet loss and retransmission, and twice the number of packets coming back in that then need to be reassembled. And some routers will not, because there have been a history of fragmentation attacks, different ways of using fragmented packets to get through firewalls Because, for example, a firewall that doesn't have the whole packet can't really check it as thoroughly as it would like to. Many firewalls drop fragments because fragments are not supposed to happen. So this is one way that VPNs can not only have low performance, but actually fail. Good to know. All right. Anyway, w- one last issue with Hamachi is relative to remote desktop. I was jumping up and down last week about how I was able to log on to my desktop. From, remotely, from home from Toronto, he and, showed you showed us you, you, it was so you, yeah, cool exactly I mean and and thank, thankfully, remote desktop is a very efficient protocol. Hamachi has a problem, or I guess actually remote desktop has a problem if it's if the Hamachi client is running with the same user on your desktop that you are trying to log in as remotely you get you get this this user already logged on sort of collision, apparently. Um, Alex has responded to this, and over in the Hamachi forums, there is discussion and the resolution of this problem. It turns out that if you run Hamachi as a service, then it it runs as the system process as opposed to on your desktop as the logged-in user, and then you're able to log in remotely. So for all the people who have had problems getting remote desktop to work as easily as I did, I actually was running it, as a system process as a service so it was logged in as the system and not in not as the user i was logging into it as
0: is that dangerous
1: uh you it's it's got system you are you you are trusting it because it has more privileges in your system right all right we're we're all caught up right um any more the one last issue <laughs> okay. with Hamachi We may is, have to put open v- VN up <laughs> next week. No, go ahead. Well, but Hamachi is important, and it's going to be one of our enduring solutions, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, some people have are using Hamachi on their own internal networks and have said, hey, I've got all my systems running with Hamachi. Do I need WPA anymore? Well, that's a really good question. If you were sure that you're using Hamachi for your file sharing and to link things together, it's I could argue that that really replaces the need for internal Wi-Fi encryption. Remember, however, that you do have the problem of people using your network and, you know, being able to mess with your systems. You still even if you've got Hamachi interconnecting your systems, you still have your non-Hamachi IPs available. So there's two problems. There's the problem of you using the non-Hamachi IP by mistake if you weren't really careful, and the fact that all the non-Hamachi, the regular native IPs, are still available. So it's really not okay not to use WPA. I would not recommend it. However, one of the cool things about using Hamachi within your network, especially if you've adopted one of the multi-NAT router approaches that we've talked about for, for isolating networks from one another. People who have done that in the past have written to me saying they've got problems because they would like file sharing and printer sharing breaks across routers. And that's the case because Windows normal file sharing broadcasts will not be moved across routers. Hamachi does forward broadcasts, and people have reported that using Hamachi, now they've got their file sharing back, even in complex multi-router configurations. And we
0: also met a number of gamers who use Hamachi. This might have, up to now, have been the most popular use of Hamachi, to uh, turn uh, LAN games uh, into WAN games, which is very cool. Right. Yeah, uh, we won't say... We won't name the person who told us all about that No, nope. because of his high-ranking security clearance. <laughs> in, in the military. We won't. Shh, that's enough. Oh, oops, okay. But uh, I think it's, that's, uh, actually, the, uh, gamers were the first to really get the value of Hamachi, I think. Yep. Yeah. All right. Shall we talk about uh, our subject for the week, which is
1: OpenVPN? Not quite. Oh, there's more? There's one more. One more thing. We have, I have to talk about IPIG. Uh, the the, the worst-named but very compelling-looking VPN solution I just started playing with yesterday. A number of users wrote to me about it. I I tracked it down. It's www.iopus.com. I-O-P-U-S dot com. The, the trouble is... For some reason, um, uh, the guy who did this shows a picture of a silver hardware wireless router on the page for IPIG. And several times I went there thinking, no, 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 I'm not looking for a hardware solution. I, I, you know, I don't want an iPhantom style thing. I'm looking for a client and server software package. Well, that's what this is. It's got nothing to do with hardware at all. So I'm, I'm not sure why he shows a hardware router... On the page, leading people to think that, unfortunately, that's something to do with what his 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 iPiG software is. Is it like a software version of a hardware router? Okay, it is extremely cool. Um, I ran his server. He has a free server and a free and and a free service. I ran his server on my system. I installed his client on my laptop. I I then connected to my oh i then i also had to forward a port from my router through to the listening port on my server so so there is that aspect that that anybody who's going to be running a server on their LAN needs to be aware of hamachi avoids that by doing outbound directed nat traversal so that's not a problem but but anyone using open vpn or using ipig will need to open a port and forward a port through their router, also through their firewall, if they've got one, so that the program is able to to answer incoming calls. I then, using this free client and server solution, I connected to my server, I ran remote desktop, I, I connected to my file shares, I talked to other machines in my own private LAN, and accessed the internet back out through my internet connection i mean it it is the holy grail that we were looking for unfortunately it's called ipig (laughs) (laughs) and it's not free It it? is free. It's free. It's completely free. Um, His his server side unit will allow you to define five accounts and presumably have five users simultaneously using it. I, I can't imagine why that's any practical limitation. He also has a free service. You can use his server with a five gigabyte limit for an account. And which is I mean would last you years if you were just using it for email, if you were trying to do something you know like using BitTorrent or something, that would be a problem. You would burn out that account before long hmm. he 's thinking of going to a a paid service like twenty nine ninety five per year for hundreds of gigabytes, which solves that problem so it's really an interesting solution. You use the free IPIG, which I hate saying, but there it is, IPIG client. You connect to his server. I mean, it's a simple download. You connect to his server. You've got encrypted access from any hotspot out to the internet, and it 's free well or is,
0: is this better than uh, open vPn or uh, I mean public vPN or, op- or hotspot vPN or one of the well the commercial okay, services
1: what what he 's doing is he's he 's redirecting he runs a little driver in the client that redirects your traffic through the connection the client has made to you to your server then it goes out over the internet now the problem with this is that the the traffic is going to be prone to proxying and nap problems, unless he's dealt with that. I've got a a dialogue open with him now. His name is, he's a neat guy um, in Germany. They're they're based in Germany, Matthias Roth. Um, I was concerned about the security aspect, so I opened a dialogue with him. We went back and forth, actually, this morning, and if anyone wants to go to to the IPIG forums, they'll see my posting and the thread between Matthias and myself, talking about exactly what the security protocol is because i did some packet sniffing last night and i saw that my username was in the clear followed by a 256 bit token and i was concerned that that might be the key he uses 256 bit aes encryption which is very strong and over the course of the morning going back and forth with him he's gone to sleep now because he's in germany um and we're going to continue our discussion when he wakes up in the morning his time um, Anyway, he did everything correctly. His system is prone to the same kind of brute force security attack that wpa is or any pre-shared key technology is but it's very clean it's very simple and it looks fine to me so you download his free ipig client you connect to his server you've got wherever you are hotspots, hotels you name it you've got up to five gigabytes per account of access you would then have to Delete the account and create a new one, and you've got five gig more. Um, I'm hoping this works for him, and that people will instead, once he offers a, a four a four fee service, will consider using that. The other cool thing is using the same technology, anyone can download his free server, set it up in a, in a Windows machine. Ah, this is only Windows, so that's one difference f- from from OpenVPN and Hamachi. Is at the at the moment at least he only has a it's a, only a Windows platform-based solution. So you'd run the, the IPIG server on your system, change the default port. He defaults to 11.888. The first thing I did was move it somewhere else because you would never want to be running any service like that on the de- manufacturer's default port so that if if some vulnerability was found at some future point in his server, you'd have people scanning the net looking to attack you and get into your system that way. So run it on a different port Forward that through your router, and you can connect to it just the same. And when you do, you have access to all your machines in your network, as well as access out to the internet. So it's a, I mean, it's a really interesting solution. I, I haven't spent nearly as much time with it as I have with um, Hamachi. And again, there is there is the question that I've raised that that he had to go to sleep, so he hasn't answered yet. Is what about protocols which are NAT? router and proxy sensitive for example in the ftp protocol several of the connection setup includes your ip address and port number of your machine well since you've this has been redirected through a different machine those packets are no longer going to be correct. NAT routers that are that are aware of this, they will reach into. They'll see that you're doing FTP based on ports and and looking at the protocol. They'll reach in and adjust those packets to reflect the fact that the IP has been changed. I don't know if he's doing that. It's a big job if he is. And there are other protocols like the like SIP and the uh, H dot. Uh, what is it? Three six three. The 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 various. Uh, teleconferencing protocols that also embed ports and IPs in their packets. So it might be that this isn't a universal solution, but certainly for web browsing and, and mail and many other things, it's worth a try and it's free and the security looks fine as long as you go to my passwords page, or just invent a really nasty long key, Um, he's got everything else worked out well. So, again, I think people should take a look at it. Change the
0: default port and use a nasty key. And we should say that, yeah, as bad as IPIC is, at least it's an acronym for the IOPUS Private Internet Gateway. So there's a reason for it (laughs) <laughs>
1: it's, it's bad, but there's and a reason the, for it. The logo has a pig's nose with a key hanging from it. That might be worse than, yeah. the, uh, than the, but it's free, you know. It's free and it looks great. And I'm, I'm going to be working with Matthias in the future. I will get answers to these questions that I still have. I'll talk about it, I'm sure, next week and, uh, and have an update for people. But it really looks like a very nice solution.
0: All right. Now we're 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 more than half an hour into the podcast and we haven't really gotten to the meat of the matter. So let's do that now. Well,
1: the good news is there is too much meat for us to get to on OpenVPN. OpenVPN is probably what I'm going to end up using and what you're going to end up using. It's the holy grail? Um it is. It is for many reasons The Holy Grail. It's it's not client free. We know no client free solution exists. We we tried that using you know Word and or I'm sorry Word using Windows, uh, PPTP, IPsec, L2TP, all the acronym soup, acronym soup stuff. We realized that VPN nat routers are good for talking to each other, but really not designed for talking to roaming. Uh, hotspot users, and that those protocols tend to get blocked um, with a high degree of probability. OpenVPN is an open source project located over at SourceForge. It uses a UDP tunnel, which is the best transport for for moving um, a tunneling protocol if you 're able to get UDP from your client to your server. It is multi-platform, running on Linux, on the BSDs, on Windows, on the Mac. So it's, it's a, a beautiful multi-platform solution. The other cool thing is thanks to its open nature it's been ported many places for example an open vpn server is part of monowall which many people are already running on their uh, a little you know discarded pc running linux and they're using it as their firewall or gateway in their home network so open vpn can be installed in or turned on in monowall and you've got remote access to your internal lan it's also supported by the OpenWRT project, which means that people who are downloading different firmware for their Linksys and other routers will be able to essentially put open VPN, uh, an OpenVPN server in their little plastic retail box and, again, access their network from remotely much as we were hoping people would be able to in the holy grail. And finally, there's a very nice service that that you, Leo, and I have both been using now for a couple weeks, which is called Hotspot VPN. Hotspot VPN uses just the open vpn system right out of the box what they provide is a about a ten dollar a month service where they provide the internet connectivity for anyone using open vpn out on the road so
0: open vpn requires you to run a server that your client can log into but you can subscribe to services that run the server for you
1: Yes, very much like Hamachi, OpenVPN, when installed on your system, creates a virtual adapter. Now that's important because that's the only clean way I've seen of solving this packet fragmentation problem. You're able to tell the adapter that its maximum segment size is smaller than what's truly the maximum segment size for the network. So that when, when TCP is, is setting its protocol up and generating packets, it'll be making smaller packets which, which then the protocol encapsulates in its transport tunnel in order to send over the internet. So you end up with, oh, and it's using UDP, so maximum VPN performance. I don't think anybody will see a slowdown using Hotspot VPN. I've certainly noticed none. So, so.
0: I, and, idea, I, and I was using it, too, and I was actually very impressed by the performance. It, it seemed like it didn't slow it down at all, yeah, on, on my
1: Mac yes and for, exam- and for example and for example someone behind a corporate firewall that is allowing tcp 80 and tcp 443 they would be able to use opn open vpn to get to their machines at home because it would look just like unless they're unless the the corporate system was actually running a proxy where it's accepting their their true http connections and then regenerating a, a request outbound which certainly could be going on but if it's just using port filtering they'd be able to access their their network from from home So it's it's a it's a what I like about it is it's a widely multifaceted solution. It's available cross-platform. It's available in many forms, and 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 we have a reasonable-priced hotspot VPN service that will allow road warriors to to encrypt their connections. Out of the danger zone, out of the hotel, and out of a Wi-Fi environment, out to the hotspot VPN location. I believe he's got. Uh, I, I've spoken to Glenn, who's the founder of of this open uh, of the hotspot VPN solution. He's got um, networks, I think, on both coasts, and he's considering putting some uh, another network, perhaps in an international setting, in order to continue to do some load balancing. But it's a it's a very wide um uh, application domain the downside and of course there is one is it it is anything but one click whereas hamachi if it works for you is amazingly zero configuration and even ipig if it can work for you it will probably be a fantastic solution for for people for whom that works OpenVPN is a much more complex product it's i would consider it the swiss army knife of vpn solutions you can figure whether you want tcp or udp protocol where what, what port you want to run on and i mean and well that's just the beginning i mean it's I, I, I want to clarify something just so people understand that the the commercial providers
0: like hotspot vpn They're providing the OpenVPN service. In fact, they make it pretty easy to configure. That's one of the reasons you pay them. But that's not, when you talk about OpenVPN, you're talking about the the free software that they use, which is more complicated to set up on your own.
1: Yes, and in fact, I don't want to scare people away from Hotspot VPN. I was very impressed. That was easy. On Windows, that's just, you run an installer and that's it. I mean, literally, it installs exactly the same stuff as if you were to download it from SourceForge, except that they've done all the work of pre-preparing your asymmetric public key certificates, it's all part of the bundle. So you sign up for Hotspot VPN, you, you get a, a link in your in a, in a return email, you click the link, download a package, install it on your machine, and you literally click an icon on your taskbar, and you're connected securely yeah. to their servers. It is that simple. They've done all of the work.
0: I installed it on a Windows machine and a Mac machine. It was very easy on Windows. A little more complicated on Mac because you need a second solution called Tunnelblicks, and you have to configure figure that a little bit what does it take to do open vpn yourself what are the steps to do that well
1: that's really what i'm not going to talk about today (laughs) because it's so
0: complicated
1: well yes what what i'm going to do is you know a lot of people have said okay enough already on the vpn topic and in fact it doesn't make sense for me to try to explain in detail how to install OpenVPN oneself. Um, I'm only going to be using all the online documentation. I'm going to put up on my show notes um, for this episode 19, a list of all the online available documents. So anyone who who is intrepid and wants to go ahead and mess with OpenVPN, knowing that We've vetted it enough to know that it really does work and it really is a terrific solution. Anyone who wants to is welcome to. What I'm going to do in the background now is I'm going to put together some how... I'm going to distill all that into some simple, easy-to-use how-to guides. That's kind of what's lacking in the
0: OpenVPN documentation.
1: Yes, it really is. Well, the problem is you know, these guys who developed it are all excited about all the bells and whistles they've got. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff where if you drop your connection you may come back with a different MAC address because the adapter assigns a MAC address on the fly. So you would have an old MAC address in the ARP table, but there's a command line switch you can put in to automatically flush the ARP table when I don't you reconnect. Know. I blah, don't blah, blah, blah. Know. Right. So I'm gonna work through all that nonsense. I'm gonna figure out, okay, here is exactly what you have to do. Here's some scripts, here's some guides, here's some screenshots, follow these, you know, instructions, and you'll be set up with like the optimal configuration. And and the good news is there is a an, a really good optimal setting where you can connect into your system remotely in, with what's called a bridge, as opposed to a routed connection. The bridging connection essentially extends your local LAN Ethernet, including the Ethernet broadcasts across the bridge to your machine. That means that all file and printer sharing works. Non-TCP protocols work. Like if you wanted to use net buoy for your for your if you were really security conscious that would work through the bridge and ARP traffic works. So for example you're able to you're able to participate on the LAN and automatically route back out to the internet. So I mean it it is it's a high configuration holy grail solution. I'm going to work to and I want to make I want to make it clear that at the time that we're recording this, Leo, these guides don't exist, but um, I'm, that's what I'm working on. I'm going to nail this stuff down for myself, and I will share everything I learn along the way and distill some some simple how-to approaches that figure out exactly what to do to make it work. So if you can do that, uh,
0: then it, OpenVPN would be your choice. Are there any drawbacks to
1: OpenVPN?
0: Besides um, the you, complexity you, of installing it and getting it
1: running? Um, let me think. The, you do have to have a static incoming port that will accept connections from known and unknown people. Can
0: you use DNS or some other solution if you don't have a static port?
1: Well, now, that's a static IP. I, I, I oh, meant you mean a, stati- a static port. I'm sorry. Okay. Right. And you absolutely, but you just do that by opening up your firewall, port forward. Well, yeah. but I'm just saying that, you know, Hamachi doesn't require you to have any static port forwarding right. through your router or your firewall. Any solution where you're running a server on your LAN, whether it's iPig's server or the OpenVPN server, it will absolutely require that you, you run a port forward through. Now, I don't think it's a problem because this thing is very... Very well hardened. It's been scrutinized. It's open source. But again, you want to you want to pick some wacky port that only you know, <laughs> so that's unlikely to be found. Just you know, a little obscurity doesn't hurt. You also would want to run the, a, a dynamic DNS, and many of the c- contemporary routers now allow you to set up a Dyn DNS account, and they will maintain that for you. That's the static al- IP we were talking about. Exactly. Yes, so yes. that if your ISP did change your router's IP, and you were away from home, you, you'd, you'd be screwed. You wouldn't have any idea what IP to use to connect to your home network. But if your router supports dynamic DNS, or you run a client on your on your own machine. Which will do the same job, then you 'll always have a, D, a your own domain name you know bob's home network dot or whatever which which will always be pointing to your router 's ip, making sure that you 're able to access it remotely
0: it 's a lot better than trying to get your spouse to run ip config trust me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well and you would also want that if, if you were using the iPig solution. I encourage people to take a look at iOpus's iPig. It's badly named, but it it really worked well for me in my brief run through yesterday and so far the security architecture looks very solid. Details on how to use OpenVPN
0: will be available on your site in the Excru- show notes. Excruciating details. <laughs> how, what do you anticipate? Uh, you're not going to work on on that through Christmas, are you?
1: I'm. Wor- that's all I'm doing. Steve, I'm working on Open. I'm rolling up my sleeves.
0: Steve. I, I you're I the kind of guy that goes to a Chinese restaurant on Christmas Day, aren't you?
1: I am. In fact, Sam Wu, the, my favorite place, is open 365 days a year. On Thanksgiving, on Christmas, on New Year's, you name it.
0: So if you're looking for help with Hamachi <laughs> or OpenVPN, Christmas Day, we have a date at Sam Wu's. <laughs> no, no don't, don't leave poor Steve alone. <laughs> He'll be reading a little science fiction, I hope, and taking a break. So, But I, I, I will be setting up a Linux
1: machine from scratch and doing the, the Linux Wait, config- wait, 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 wait. You're going to set up a Linux machine? Oh I am sorry I I meant free BSD okay <laughs> I, I i i the the news group server that i talked about at the beginning of the show news.grc.com yeah, yeah. that's a free bsd unix machine free bsd is my um you know linux slash unix style i was getting platform of
0: choice for a moment there I, I i thought the world was coming to an end okay. oh i do it
1: all the time i love free bsd <laughs> yeah
0: free bsd is great i well and we mac users know a little bit about bsd because that's what's underlying darwin that's right okay are we uh, c- complete now do we have everything we need to know I think we're done. The VPNs have been covered. I so decree
1: it. <laughs> now, 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 what we'll do is we will touch on this. I mean, VPN—it's not going away. Exactly, VPN is a core topic for security now and for us. You know, you and I roam around. We're telecommuters. We want security. Oh, yeah. So, so listeners don't need to worry that they're. Questions that they've asked are never going to be answered. No, 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 We're no, never yeah. coming back here. I mean, and we, as, we live as, here. This is our. This is where we live. Yes, I mean, VPN is a core technology. Yeah. We're not going to drop it. As as I learn more about iPiG, as I learn more about OpenVPN, and I'm posting things, we'll be touching on it. But we've got a whole bunch of cool stuff lined up for the beginning of next year and security now. And of course, next week we'll do our Q and A and we'll talk about some more of the of users' uh, questions.
0: Well, and I also see why we needed to do the early chapters to get to this part because there is so much to understand about what's going on, the pros and cons, the negatives, the security risks. You have to understand that before you can even have a a conversation about VPN. So that was well worth it.
1: Yes, and and that was exactly our intent. And of course... um we're going to talk early on about security architecture. What is an asymmetric key? What is a symmetric key? And so one of the things that, that users need to be aware of is that we're deliberately creating a foundation here that will allow us to explain, once it's necessary, about open VPN certificates and how they work. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to talk about it now, but once we've really explained how this stuff works, it'll all come together. If you want more
0: information and that step-by-step on how to configure and run OpenVPN, uh, grc.com slash securitynow.htm. Those are the show notes. And some people are confused by the little icons. Click those little icons. They all all do something. There's uh, transcripts there. There's a 16-kilobit version of the show, which I know people love. Uh, I'm not sure why, but they, they love that low quality <laughs> low fidelity version.
1: Well, it's because the file size is it's so such small. a
0: small I understand. Yeah, I, I I'm just giving them a time. Know. And because we work so hard on audio quality here. And uh, for more information uh, about all this stuff, Steve's the guy. And don't forget those uh, those those newsgroups. I the the, the GRC slash discussions oh, Leo, I mean it's,
1: we have got hundreds of really good people who hang out there and and you know the, the Usenet style news Reader is such a joy to use. I'm sure you know in the yeah. old days you, you you've used. I a lot. still use it.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's yeah.
1: just it's just a great way to have dialogues and, and conversations. And we do now have a Security Now news group on the GRC news server.
0: That's great. Uh, if uh, you want to, to uh, download the full version, of course you can always get it at uh, thisweekintech.com. Uh, we do thank the folks at AOL Radio for broadcasting Security Now on their podcast channel and for providing the bandwidth for uh, the security now downloads because there's a lot of downloads and uh, at some point we're going to try to put this all together in an anthology maybe a a cd Uh, we've started to get requests from corporations who want to distribute them to um, employees and so forth so we'll work on that uh, as well next week your questions steve's answers have a great and happy holiday steve Thank you, too, Leo. Thank you so much for uh, all the work you've done on VPNs. This has been really fascinating, and it makes me feel good when I open up my, uh, my Hotspot VPN to know that I'm safe now on the road. That's what I'm using. Yeah, that's just great. I'm Leo Laporte for Steve Gibson. We hope you have the best of holidays, and uh, we'll see you next week on Security Now.